Veteran Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together, each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. And greetings, gardening friends. How are you all on this absolutely superb autumn day? You can call through any time between now and 10 a.m. Cheryl Kennelly will be taking your phone calls today, 94841927. And as always, you can send your comment or question to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. And a big shout out to our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan. He certainly set the pace again. Jim was supported by Mark Carlton. Thank you both, boys. And you can catch Jim next week. All right. Faye Caro. Good morning, How's Ray. it going? You're busily working away there. We have received dozens of emails we this have. week. We <laughs> have. Perhaps I better not mention that at the beginning of the show. No, it's great. We get them all week long, right? We do, And yes. we get great emails and we get some nice uh, comments from people and it's like, wow, our heads can't fit through the studio door. It seems like there's it. a few people out there listening, which is I great know, to it's hear. it's lovely. No, no. We so appreciate it. We really do. So thank you, yeah, to everyone out there. How's your week been? Did you enjoy hectic, the rain? Hectic, hectic. I love the rain. Rain. I love the rain. Yeah. So my little dog, she got a bee sting on Monday, late Monday, and she oh. had an allergic reaction. So that kind of, that's that. I didn't, I don't know if I noticed the rain. <laughs> of course she did. It was Anzac Day holiday. Oh, she did it. She did it. Yeah. Straight <sighs> to the emergency vets. And oh my goodness. So there's a whole other story, but mummy is still, you know, recovering from it, from all of that. Is she okay? She's she's good. She's quite good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just a really severe reaction to it, which can happen. Now, now I have to walk around with EpiPens. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 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 All because of a bee. So, yeah, that's been a taboo word in the household this week. But, oh, look, I've tried to get into a bit of gardening. There's been work. There's been just everything up in the air. I had, as you know, I had a termite issue in my house. So I've had the barriers done around the house. That's a mammoth job. That The fellow took, um, he started at about 8.30 and went through to nearly 7 that night. Wow. I and know. did it interfere with your garden? Not so much, but holy cow, what a mess. Yeah, so, oh. you know, um, but he's, he's I, I assume he's done a great job. You know, it's, it's a big job. Had to be done. Uh, you know, can't you can't have termites in your home. Oh, That's what, you gosh. know, so that was, that, that was you know, one more tick. And, you know, just, you know, I think I was saying to you last week we had a gas leak and there was just all these little niggly things. An army worm. Yeah, and army worm, all these niggly things happening. And you know when it all comes at once and you just sit back and go, oh, God. I just What's find next? myself sitting there staring into space not blinking that's that's kind of how my week has been but you know it's all good we're, we're here we're we here are. so what's how's, happening how's your lawn going it's not bad it's getting a haircut this morning uh it's recovered reasonably well from the army worm hit it'll be interesting to see how it goes with this mow this will be its first mow since mm. this all happened it's not looking too bad uh, but of course, my beautiful Sir Walter Buffalo has Kai Q running through it. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. Oh, look. You so know. will you get out there with a the paintbrush and... Mm. Uh, I might, well, the lawn, the lawn man's got some ideas to try and I'd rather mm. let him have a crack at it, to be quite honest with you, but it's a really hard one. Mm. And, you know, at the end of the day, my lawn may turn to Kaikyu. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's beautiful Kaikyu lawns out there. If that happens, it happens. So you've not what got I two wanted. lawns, Ray. I reckon I've got four, maybe five. I've got a tiny posty stamp and that lawn causes me so much grief. And I look at it and think, you could be a garden. You know, I don't have to put up with this, yeah. Mm. I like a little patch of lawn, but by my goodness, you know, it's just one thing after another, you know. So does the kaikuyu look out of place yes. or does it, it does? Right now it Different does. form? Yeah, right now it does, yeah. Mm, different habits. But I have seen kaikuyu lawns that are absolutely magnificent, but, you know, it's not what I wanted. It's not what I ordered. No, it's not <laughs> what you paid for. <laughs> no. But there you go. That's life. And so, hey, listeners, we have gardening problems too. Yeah, we're we we uh, we're right there with you. We struggle along. Well, the army worm is a dilemma for a lot of people. He is. He's out there doing a lot of damage. Is. So yeah. I I have said that we will talk about it. Okay. So I thought now's probably the good time. Right. Okay. So going back. Uh, we did get an email last week from someone who said it looked, um, or they sent him photos that appeared to be army worm. And it, I said, look, don't jump to conclusions. Whereas we, I did. We Well, <laughs> that's what a lot of people do, Ray. Mm. And you, you're probably right. But the thing to do is let's prove it. Let's yeah. be sure before oh, we sure. start don't throwing, go anything throwing anything around. Make sure you know what you're doing. So what treating. people need to do is mm. they get out there with a bucket of soapy water and pour it onto a patch and wait 10 minutes and see if anything does come up. Now, if you hit a patch that a lot of eggs have hatched, you can get almost hundreds appearing in front of you within minutes. Well, kind of, of that's what happens. Mm. That's what happens so for me. So for others of us who have less of a problem, you can pour a bucket of soapy water on and see nothing. Right. Uh, but you can be sitting on the lawn at a different time of the day in a different area and one just starts getting up and walking around. Really? Then you know you've got it. Mm. So you can also get out there with, say, moistened hessian bags, a damp towel or carpet. And they will come up for that? They they come up overnight. Mm. So they shelter mm. underneath, which is during the day they're, they're going down. down. They're mm. hiding from the light. So they yeah. come up at night time. So put your, your wet towel on it, check it in the morning. That acts as a trap. So you can then like throw it in the bin, turn it over, the birds will get it, pick them off, put it in a bag and dispose of them. Mm. That's one way. So I prefer a form of integrated pest management. So mm. we identify the problem and then we look at a range of options. options. So, of course, you can go to your local hardware store Mm. and you'll see something, I'm sure, that says, have you got a problem with armyworm? This is what you want. Mm. And it, it could be a product called bifenthrin, mm. which is what a lot of the lawn and grub killers are, mm. and that's very effective. That's commonly what's used at the moment. Yeah, and that's you can what... buy it in a five-kilo bag of granules, spread it on, very easy to that use. That is what was used on my lawn. There mm. is also another product uh, called acelaprin, Mm. Uh, which is also very effective and can act as a preventative. It is not available at your local hardware stores. It is a specialty product, so you'll have to hunt further. So some of your, your lawn suppliers or ag 
suppliers. Mm. Well, I I, I I have used that as well as a follow through behind the bifenthrin. We okay. Put that on yep. about uh, four or five days later. Mm. Okay. And you're you're getting the problem under control. Well, because um, the problem with armyworm is that there can be more than one wave. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and because so that's what the the acelaprin is about. They the Moths will fly around at night time. They mm. will lay eggs and, dare I say, mm. hundreds to thousands. Mm. And so when they eat through your lawn, mm. they pupate and another yeah. batch Yeah, so that's hatch. what we had, you know, had to do as a mm. follow-through treatment to ensure that, yep. yeah. There is another option. Birds are out there targeting them too. Mm. And mm. as a form of integrated pest management, this is a help. Chooks are also very effective at cleaning up the caterpillars if you want to let the chooks loose if on your lawn. If you've got chooks, you've got to have chooks. A lot of us don't. Suburban, Agreed. So I'm giving people. everyone the options. A dipel is very effective on caterpillars when mm. they're small, but not much good as they get bigger. And econeme, it'll prevent the army worms molting and hence it will halt their life cycle. So it prevents the grubs wanting to feed and eventually they they just starve. That would be a good option. So econeme mm. is one of the organic treatments that you can use. So that is not going to harm mm. the, the other critters that mm. depend on the caterpillars for food. Mm. So mm. the birds, the frogs, the spiders and wasps. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's where I'm at at the moment. Having said that, my lawn is hanging in there. I am not getting the the blanket effect right across the lawn. So, but you have it. You have I it in have patches. It. Well, because you kind of have it or you don't. I don't know how you can partly have it. Well, I have it. Yeah, it's not you have it or you don't. I have it, but. I also have a willy wagtail that's yeah. out there yeah. most of the day. Yeah. I have bandicoots. I go out and they're in the morning yeah. and I've got holes dug in my lawn. So they're, they're doing a bit of work for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So the bandicoots are, um, they're omnivores. They'll dig holes. They'll dig up the insects. That's why I've really held off using anything that is a poison that mm. is going to kill every, kill the life mm. below my soil as mm. in... Mm. little invertebrates and yeah. insects oh, for sure. because there's a in, whole in ecosystem. Perfect world, that is the way we so, all want to go. So now I've covered the range of options mm. and people need to decide how they're going what to tackle is it. right for them. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Put okay. that one aside, done. Yeah, okay. <laughs> let's talk about something nice. nice. Let's talk about flowers, Ray. Oh, well, absolutely. And uh, let's get some calls happening, 94841927. We're chatting uh, shortly with Lisa Passmore from Inspired by Nature. Now, this is going to be our fourth segment. And this week, uh, because we have been talking about how to design your own garden, uh, the focus is all about installing your garden and all the tips around that. So we're really looking forward to a good chat with Lisa. And at five past nine, we're chatting with Linda Strickland. They have their garden open this weekend in Marriginia, which is via Vista Drive, Marriginia. They've got their garden open this weekend uh, and we're going to have a good chat about uh, what you would be looking at should you like to attend and what a perfect weekend weather-wise. <laughs> it the sure best. is. And with the rain that we've had this week, it is. Yeah, it's just it's the just icing perfect. on the cake, right? So we've talked to Lisa about 
uh, a lot of steps to designing mm. your garden. Of course, one of them is gaining inspiration or you may be out selecting the palette. Mm. So on offer this weekend, a Pace have their environmental open day. It's nine o'clock to one o'clock today. There'll be plant sales, stalls, workshops and tours. It's at 1 Johanna Street in North Fremantle. And the council subsidy is throughout May. So you take your rates notice along, I believe. For, and if, if you're, you're eligible, in, in you that, can get some cheap plants. If you live in Frio? Uh, I know count, uh, Coburn Council have it as well. So you might oh. have to check with your local council or just take your rates notice along. Okay. Or proof of your address. And also on tomorrow is the Northern District's Orchid Show at the Bruce Douglas Pavilion, 110 Salisbury Road, Swan View. There'll be demos, zygos, display and talks, 9 to 3pm. Entry fee includes complimentary tea and coffee. Yeah, I think that's going to be a absolute bonanza mm. tomorrow. I have a feeling. Yeah, but uh, there's a little bit pent up demand, isn't there? Oh. And there's going to be a lot oh. of supply there, and it will be spectacular. Get there early if you can. Because I get need the best more pick. plants. Of course we do. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even keep up with what I've got at the moment. It's just. Uh, well, I tell you, we what. were just saying off air, weren't we? Life's just busy and getting busier, mm. crazy busy. And what on earth is that? We don't want that. Yeah. The, this business of installing your dream garden isn't. All it's cracked up to be, but I have to say, if you're doing, if you're a DIYer, yeah, because I was out there yesterday work. digging holes in yeah, sand. Yeah. But I have, I do have a new appreciation for sand. I, mm. I have Jill Hurd's voice in my head whenever yeah. I'm digging a hole, and yeah. and it irks me now when people say it's gutless sand yeah. because in our sand we can grow anything. Yeah. We can amend it. We can change it. That's just, this is the thing, right? Well, yeah. yesterday... We can make I, it into what we want. Yep. I began planting my Xeriscape garden. Okay. Mm. Okay. That's one of your rooms that you're creating. It is. That'll be sensational. And in the last fortnight, I have planted the biggest pots I've I ever know. planted. I saw some so photos. A, a sago palm that is... Well, mm. in its pot, it was as tall as me. And oh, just because I got the opportunity to buy more stuff and Eddie goes, well, you haven't dealt with what, what you've already got. got. So, <laughs> right, okay, get the shovel, get your boots on, yeah. get digging and yeah. I rolled that plant and I pulled and I tugged yeah, yeah. and then I had to get help to straighten it up and then I backfilled it and she is in her forever home yeah. and plants, advanced cycads I bought two years ago, well, they're going in the ground. Yeah, and looks amazing, right? <sighs> It's. Yeah. It will. It will mm. look better than the sand patch that was there with the weeds growing. So mm-hmm. I'm looking to blanket the ground mm. because I want a living mulch. I don't want to be playing. Let's get rid of the weeds every yeah. change of season. Yeah, quite right. And they've been really rampant, haven't they? Oh, this, last year we had so much rain. Yeah. and beautiful sunshine. Yeah, perfect so they, recipe. They went nuts. Perfect storm. Okay. Uh, 94841927. We'll be back shortly. Good morning. You are tuned to Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye. Very shortly we'll be chatting with Lisa Parsmore from Inspired by Nature. Speaking of inspiration, what did you bring us in this morning, Faye? Ooh. Well, I have got you some of the lovely 
eucalyptus cinerea, oh, I love which that. is the lovely silver dollar. Yeah. And Bellaria, this is popping up all through the garden right now. And, you know, a week or 10 days ago, I looked at it and went, you're all coming out. And then what does it do? It just bursts into flower and looks stunning. So, And so that's a beautiful uh, – and the colour of the flower is, is a delightful lilac. It is. It, it just looks stunning. Does it stunning grow like a bit like a weed? It or? is a weed. Yeah. On a warm, sunny day, you'll hear pop. Oh. all over the garden and that is the seed pods dehissing ah. and shooting out so ah. yes it is is a weed in fact one of these plants stands taller than i because it's climbing up into a tree so mm. i will be strategically removing it from i was going to say do you want it in your garden oh ray it, it's a living mulch so it's it does filler. make some yeah. of my areas uh, yeah. very Lovely to look at because they're green and they're not weeds. So yeah. I can glance across an area of garden and I find it very relaxing. Yeah, In summertime, it, it looks green, so okay. it's soothing and cool. Mm, uh, Wintertime, mm. it's holding down the weeds. If that was bare, it would just be full of... Wild oats all, or something. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. But it was interesting because this is happening all across Perth at the moment. A lot of people will have it. And even if you didn't buy the plant, it could quite likely End come up. up in a pot. Mm. If anyone's got something from my garden, they could have it. Mm. Um, Sylvia has sent in a photo. She loves listening to the show on Saturday while she's doing her ironing, cooking, etc. Are you please able to identify this small hedging plant or ground cover growing about 50 centimetres? I've checked on the internet but can't locate it. And it is the flowers emerge from two leafed fine brown bracts as opposed to the thick green leaves. It's hardy and growing in full sun. Interestingly, this is another version and it's Bellaria repens. Okay. Whereas I think the, the lilac one is Bellaria obtusa. Okay, pretty colour. It is. a coral colour. Yes, that, that one is. So a different version and of it. And what's she going to do with that one, does it say? She just wanted to know what it was. Yes, it's popped up in the garden. And uh, as soon as I saw it, I remembered because we got an email last year for the same thing. It's one of those plants, you might not buy it, so mm, you might not know the name of it. Yeah, It flies under the radar. Okay. But don't let them get out of hand. Just be warned that, yeah, while it's a little plant now, it's next year, <laughs> it's, they yeah. sleep, then they creep. Then they leap, leap and then you yeah. go, oh, my goodness. And yeah. it will take over daisies and, and other precious plants mm. that you might have. Mm. Okay. So you've got to protect everyone's space. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we're just waiting for Lisa to come up online with us. She's not too far away. We will do a couple of emails, I think. Yes. Shall we? We, we have another one. Um, we probably spoke about this last week as it came in. Uh, during the show and it's from Joan hello ladies my husband is a keen vegetable gardener and recently found some seeds and planted them they've grown beautifully he kept saying they were cilantro and obviously they are not so he went back through his packets and decided it was chervil well it's not that either <laughs> it's definitely a type of brassica but which one initially I thought Joan that it was a, a K-Lan which is one of the Asian vegetables. Right. But I'm pretty sure they have a yellow flower where this flower is white. Mm. 
Now, it's not one that I recognise, but John's just done a bit of searching for white flowers on brassicas and he thinks it may be a cabbage. Now, we don't very often see cabbages go to flower because if they're growing in the cool season, it will be all leaf in mm, a bunched mm. up cabbage, whereas this is all leafy and it's bolted because of the heat. So certainly edible. You could throw it into a pan with some oyster sauce and garlic and you can stir fry it all up. I thought the it was like broccoli-like too. too. That's how when I first glanced at it, mm. the leaves. But if it's edible, eat it. Absolutely. I I believe it's edible. Mm. Looking, <laughs> looking at the photo, but you want to be sure. All right. We're going to Padbury for the interim. Mark, good morning. Good morning, ladies. How are you? Hi. Good, thanks, Mark. Excellent. We have a pixie granny, bell. a pixie, what? Pixie bell. Pixie, pixie bell. bell. has red apples and green apples on it. And a red apple was on the ground this morning, so we sort of cut it open just to see what it was like. There's lots of, like, bruising inside of it, and there's some puncture marks on the outside. No worms or any grubs that we could see. And the apple was beautiful, so we're not sure when to pick them and what the bruising might be and whether that's... Can you still eat it like that or not? Mm. Are you able to send us a photo, Mark? Um, Yes. Okay. I do wonder quite often uh, any fruits that are pierced by a fruit fly will often drop to the ground. So mm-hmm. we'd we'd hope to rule out that. Check the skin of all the others. Um, yep. I would think that they would colour up when they're ripe. They're starting to colour. They're not totally red. They're probably half red at this stage. Mm. Have you got lots on the tree? Um, the first season that we've had it, so there's probably about yeah eight to twelve maybe. Oh, mm. wow. I'm, I'd probably wait a little, little bit longer unless you're really keen and you want to cut, pick one off, cut it open, and taste it. Yep, yep. Okay. All right. Well, I'll take some photos of them on the tree and the one that we've cut and send them in to you. Okay. Lovely. Thanks, Mark. Um, email address? Yep. Gardening. Yep. At curtainfm.com.au. Gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers for that, Mark. Bye. That, that will be interesting to see. Mm. Yeah. There Very... are a few problems that could happen with apples. So Yeah, what a shame. It's a, it's a lovely variety, that. Well, yeah, hopefully it's just, it's just the one. If it is... If it is fruit fly, I'd be checking all the others. Mm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I think we've got Lisa. Oh, we've got it. <laughs> Sorry, we're just reading the the information that Cheryl's putting up on the on the board. Okay, we'll go to another email. Okay. Now, this one has come in from Heidi, and she says, "Hello, girls. I've recently purchased a dozen Agonis Flexuos." Flexuosa, lemon and lime. Mm. They're beautiful little trees, currently in 120 mil pots. However, I suspect they're a little root bound. Knowing how sensitive natives can be, should I repot them for six months first or plant them out now, feathering out the roots a little? Your advice would be greatly appreciated. And Heidi has sent us in a photo of the pot. Uh, Definitely the, the roots are down the bottom there and 
they look to be growing up the pot again. Heidi, these are pretty tough plants. So I would do as you thought and feather out the roots. At this time of year, you put them into some um, improved soil and with the, the autumn and winter rains that we're getting, they will settle in beautifully. This is absolutely, hands down, the best time of year for planting. Mm, so yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, so I mean, you could you could put them in a pot for a while, but you're really then double handling. Mm, so I yeah. I would just go ahead and get them in the ground. I think they'll be fine. I do too. Mm. Okay, we're going to be chatting with uh, Margaret shortly. We're talking about a gardenia now. Someone sent us an email about a gardenia. Yes, do you have Anita that? sent us a, an email about a gardenia, mm. and I have it right here, eh? She has two that have been in the garden for 12 years and that's since she's been in the unit she's in. She'd like to dig them out, put them in pots. The soil they are in is absolutely rubbish and Mm. they've never flowered. Mm. So when would be the best time to dig them up? They're not that big. Well, autumn is certainly the best time, which is generally about when they finish flowering. Mm. So, Anita, what you do is cut them back by about a third the week before you want to move them. And then the following week, dig down, uh, lift them out, have your pots prepared, put them into a good quality premium potting mix. I'd give them a drink of seaweed both this week yeah, and yeah. before and after. The preparation. And yeah. they should be fine. Okay, wonderful. All right, well, let's head out to Swan View. Margaret, good morning. Good morning, ladies, and thank you for your wonderful show. I have a gardenia plant. It's a good 10 years old. Um, and about two years after I had it, it started getting little brown patches at the base of the flower buds. And I rang a nursery, I forget which one it was now, and they told me to spray it with a certain product which I did and each year as a safety I've put a bit of systemic granules around it but this year it hasn't stopped flowering it's budded up up again to flower but again some of the buds are dropping off because they seem to be rotting just at their base the bud base and I'm just wondering can you Give me some advice on what I should do. It's as I said, it is flowering now, but it's also losing some of the buds. Mm. If if it's having a heavy flower season, and they can because of the humidity that we've had, um, they may not hold on to them all. But I suspect, well, it's probably either fungal or a trace element deficiency. What are you feeding it, Margaret? Um, slow release, just a multi-purpose slow release. Or um, Thrive, I just get a watering can and put one of those cat um, satchels in a watering can and I just water it with that. Okay, all right. That that sounds pretty good. They are they are a plant. They are a flower that definitely likes trace elements. Mm. Yeah, they do require them. So I've got a cat. I've got a cat that. refuses to use his litter tray and 
I'm wondering if it's getting too strong around the base of the plant. Mm. Uh, now, what would be in the the litter, like the kitty litter itself? It could be getting too wet because some of those yeah, products like are, mm. are clay, so it could be holding too much water. I would probably hold off adding anything more. Right. Right. And when you are at your nursery, look for a fertiliser that has a huge range of trace elements. There are some that are better in that department than other. And that wouldn't hurt going forward. And just quickly, when is the best time to prune them? Because it's getting a little bit lanky and I just would like to prune it. Down, but it's full of buds now again. It just hasn't stopped flowering. All right, after it finishes flowering, so that might be closer to late autumn. Yes, right. Thank you so much, my dears, and I appreciate your program greatly. You're very welcome, Margaret. Margaret, it's our pleasure. Good luck. Cheers. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. And did Margaret say how often she waters it? Because they definitely are not are a plant that don't need. A great deal of water. No, I, she I'd kill did. gardenia it, by overwatering it. No, yeah. she didn't. Yeah, not the saying that she's killing mm. killing hers, but obviously there's a few problems. All right. Well, we actually have uh, Lisa Passmore online. We must have got her out of bed, did we? Get you out of bed, Lisa. <laughs> ha ha. Good morning, <laughs> morning, lady. <laughs> How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you there? You Very good. <laughs> now, Lisa, it might be my fault because I probably didn't send you a copy of the running sheet today. I thought we were just organised. Oh, good. It's all good. Yeah, all good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely to have you back with us. Lovely to be here. And it looks like being another gorgeous day out there. Yeah, we yes. are. We are blessed. Absolutely. A perfect day for installing a dream garden. <laughs> Absolutely. And how topical is that? <laughs> sure is. So, I really enjoyed um, chatting with you all about the design journey over the last few weeks. Um, I thought I'd just do a very quick recap on what we've covered thus far. Yes, that'd be great. Um, okay, so week one, we our discussion started with the site assessment and measuring up the garden area, and that's something I'm heading off to do in a little while for a client shortly. Um, then looking at what is happening beyond the garden, um, looking at the aspect and the climatic conditions and using all our senses. Uh, week two, we talked about garden inspiration, thinking about the kind of garden that you want to create and what descriptive words or themes or styles most inspire you and then matching purse-appropriate plants, plants appropriate for our climate, to the look or the vision that you have in mind. Um and we talked about how at any stage, you know, you might want to enlist a, an expert, a local horticulturist or landscape designer uh, for help. And I think that that's fine to, you know, to do some of that prep work and then engage some help because you've already done some of the thinking processes. Yeah. Um, and I do think having thought about what you want and working out your wish list and looking at your garden and, and what appeals to you um, means that you're going to get a better result in the end, whether you're doing it yourself or involving an expert there. Um, week three, we talked about selecting the palette, both um, plants and hardscape materials to um, need to suit the theme, the style that you're exploring. And we chatted a bit about lawn and 
um, I advised how that needs to be a designed element, given as much thought as you would your uh, feature plants, um, and rather rather than using it as an infill material uh, or for walkway. And we chatted about trees, how every garden, I think, needs a tree or a tree-like form. Yeah. Because some gardens don't have room for big trees, but we can we can create that effect, can't we, with a, an up-pruned beautiful shrub that fits the appropriate height um, for our garden. Yeah. Um, and, you know, these for small gardens, a feature tree might also be dual purpose, providing edible fruits mm. or leaves. Uh, and we chatted about the curry leaf and the lemon tree, and I forgot to mention the pomegranate as well, mm. just to name a few. Yes. Um, which are, fl- are fruiting right now. They are. They look great, don't they? Yeah. Oh, they're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this week it's about installing your dream garden. And um, my emphasis is going to be a bit on the plants. No surprises <laughs> there. <laughs> um, but the first thing to do would be really um, choosing healthy, disease-free plants up and timing your planting close or timing your plant purchase rather close to the planting time or the planting date so your plants aren't sitting around in their pots and I know it's really tempting when we go to a garden centre and we see all these beautiful plants and to purchase them and bring them home and then have them sitting around I'm Mm. sure every garden I've done it yeah Mm, big time those Mm. images Yes, so the problem with that is they, they can fall over, they can dry Yes, out. yes, all of that. Mm. And even if we do all, all the right things mm. at planting time, if they have dried out, yeah. and keeping in mind in the nursery they're getting watered once or twice a day, um, yeah. depending on the time of year, um, but if they've dried out to their core and we don't know it and we plant them out and do everything else right, we can still... Um, that our gardens can fail if we haven't taken care at that early stage. So I'm a big believer of dunking the plants in their pot uh, in a bucket of water and even better with some seaweed in there as well. And by dunking, I'm just meaning holding that pot down until all the air bubbles stop rising Mm, mm. and then pull that out immediately. Don't leave the plants sitting around in buckets of water for any length of time because that's just as bad as drying out yeah um so then um the beauty of that is we can and and the tip there is well when you're purchasing your plants you can often feel by weight when you pick up that plant pot whether it's moist or dry as well if it feels really light you know it's probably dry so Mm. definitely a dunking there and then positioning the plants out on the garden area as per your plan that you've developed. And then before you dig the hole, step back and visually check the yeah. positioning of those pots because you might want to just tweak one here or make an adjustment there. Yeah, very important to do that, right? And for new yeah. gardeners, mm. there yeah. there is often a front of the plant. Yes. Exactly, <laughs> yes. Mm. There so is. It's got a best face forward is how I tell my students Mm. so examine that and you want to have that best face forward facing where you're looking at the garden from whether it's from the path or from the road or from your home window you want to figure out which is the best 
um, face that you want to see. And it's so true, isn't it? It is. <laughs> often, often the label is placed there. That's sometimes a clue, but not always. And so, Lisa, I need to take go to a short break. Can we just sure. uh, keep you with us and pick this up on the other side? Lovely. Okay. Thanks, love. You're with Rain Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening, and we are chatting with Lisa Passmore from Inspired by Nature. We're talking about the final step of installing a dream garden. Lisa, are you there? Yes, I am. Yes. Thanks for waiting. Okay. okay no Carry on. Okay. All right. Well, you've worked out, worked out where your plant is going on the ground, and you've checked it visually, and you've turned it round so its best face is facing your yeah. key line of sight. Then it's time to dig the holes. And the beauty of dunking your plants beforehand is you've got a nice uh, wet circle on the ground where you need to dig. And uh, then we want to dig the holes twice the volume of the pot. And if you're in a clay, so you want to go slightly wider uh, rather than deep, um, so you're not creating a bucket in which it's going to fill up with with water. Um, yeah. uh, and but yet yeah, in sandy soil, it's, then it's also really important to mix in some soil improver, whether this is homemade compost uh, or an off-the-shelf bag of soil improver uh, or compost. You want to mix that in with your existing soil at um, 50-50 ratio, half and half. Mm, okay. um, I think it's worth mentioning not to be tempted to use potting mix um, for planting in the ground. Potting mix has been specifically designed uh, with all the right ratio for pots and containers. Uh, and besides, if you're using potting mix in the ground, it's way more expensive. So yes. um, stick with your compost, um, compost or soil improver. Do you like to use clay, Lisa? Uh, yes, absolutely. Mixing some clay in with that compost mm-hmm. uh, is uh, absolutely fantastic. The clay is going to hold all the good nutrients in the soil profile for much longer, and that's something we really have to look at yeah. for, for gardeners on the Swan Coastal Plain. Yes. Do you have a preference for which clay type, Lisa? Uh, I've got a bunch of different ones. Often it's what I've been given to try out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, but I, I, I think any clay is going to be a huge benefit uh, rather than none. And we want to really, it's so important that we have something that's going to hold the nutrient in the soil profile, not let it leach through into our waterways. Um, so at the moment I've got soil solver on the go and it's, it's doing a great job. Yeah, I think Faye and I both prefer the kale and clay versus mm. the bentonite based on our own experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, I've yeah. recently tried some of the bentonite just yeah. to, you know, do this comparison. Um, yeah, but I yeah. and I have found lines where it's just clumped back together and created a layer. So I've got black soil uh, and then I've got this layer of white. Oh it's just found yeah, each yeah. other, you know. It's and uh, that's what it does. I think it's really important to not um, for for other listeners out there not putting the clay just into the sandy soil. I, I really think it has to be mixed with the compost um, yeah. first as well and certainly not put on the soil surface because then you're going to get a clay slick. 
Yeah, yeah. So mix it through with everything else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I generally garden with a bunch of different trug buckets. Yes. One with my um, some wetting agent, one with the clay, one with the compost. Yeah. And drag them around with me as I'm planting. But that's an established garden. It's going to be different if you're um, doing a whole bed from scratch. You really want to work it all in um, to that whole bed area. Lisa, we have had. Veronica yep. sent us an email and she's got a new garden in the southwest and would love some yep. tips dealing with heavy lateritic gravelly soil. Every time she digs a hole wow, with a yeah. crowbar yeah. to plant something, part <laughs> no, of what true. comes out of the hole is gravel rocks, small, medium and large. What tips wow. would you give her? Well, a post hole I... digger? <laughs> Yes, you do. And and planting in the cooler weather like now, it gets even harder to get the crowbar in Mm. in summertime. Um, I gardened in in a clay garden at the foothills, um, slightly different area, but foothills of Kalamunda, and it was all stone and gravel. And in that particular area, what I did first was to, and I still had a few weeds popping up, so it was a bit bit of dirt, not much. Um, but I did the blanket mulching of that area. So the newspaper, wet newspaper laid thickly, overlapping, and then the mulch on top. And when I came back to dig a hole um, nine months or so later, dug through that and found miraculously I now had soil Mm. just by putting cover, um, putting mulch down on the garden areas. So that would be one approach for areas that she's not ready to plant in yet. Um, it's amazing how the, the soil biology will create soil over time um, mm. if you're protecting it and putting a, a layer down. So, mm. yeah, short of um, crowbar and post hole digging and all of those things, um, I, I would recommend coverage, getting mm. some coverage down of the mulch. And um, I guess a no-dig style garden where you're building up above the top and letting it work yeah. its way down. For sure, that's the other option too. Is to is to is to raise up with your with your mulches and your composts and things. But you don't want it to all blow away as well. So it's, yeah. Um, so when we're we're digging our our holes, I'm a big fan of um, making a bit of a basin. Do you do this, Faye? Around donuts. Around. I do. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's important in Perth, giving it another mechanism for capturing and holding water mm. around your, your freshly planted plant. And do you, do you put your boot in gently around the yeah. neck and just stomp it down? Mm. Uh, so I don't do that. And, I, and it's only just because I'm you know, learning about the, the oxygen that's required to the root zone. And if we overly compress the soil we can squeeze out that precious oxygen. So I tend to advise um, gloved fingers pushing the soil in okay. around the root ball rather than our boots. And we all used to do boots um, <laughs> to, <laughs> to push the soil back in. But, yeah, now I'm advising the gloved fingers just pushing it hard. And watering it in after you've planted will also help eliminate any big air pockets. For sure. Um, yeah, because we know that our roots will not grow into big air pockets. Mm. Um, so that's... That's useful. And I, when you're doing lots of little plants, little tube stock, which is, it's a great time of year to do that now, I save some of my bigger empty plant pots and upturn them over my freshly planted tube pots before I lay the mulch down. 
Mm. Um, often we, we can lose those little seedlings if we don't have some kind of cover over them yeah. as we you know, tip our barrow load of mulch. Yes. Um, and then once we've spread our mulch evenly and level, um, we can then re- remove our empty plant pots that are over our small plants yeah. and reveal them underneath all perfectly spaced with um, the mulch not engulfing them. So, um, And that's one of the other tips for gardeners too, and I'm sure you've mentioned um, about not having the mulch up around the plant mm. So we've got to have that gap, don't we? Yeah. And of course, mulch is the, the finishing. It's the finale, isn't it? You get to oh, stand it, back and so just go, voila. Yes. And at every stage, making sure your soil is level, so levelling the ground before you put the mulch down and then levelling the mulch thoroughly gives you that really professional finish. finish. I'm sure we've all seen gardens where they're all sort of lumpy and bumpy and... Um, Done roughly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So that, that and they've just tipped cut. out bags of stuff and <laughs> almost left it yeah. like that. It's terrible. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, you know, mm. that's not a, not a professionally done. No, yeah. No. Um, there's a few different thoughts on uh, on fertiliser at planting time, and I'm interested to hear um, your views too on, on that. Um, right, so, some, sorry, love, we've got to go yet to another little break. Can you stay with us so we can finish sure, this no off worries. properly? I'm so sorry. All good. Thank you, love. Thank you for your company this morning. We are chatting with Lisa Passmore. We're at the pointy end of our installing your dream garden tips from Lisa. Are you there, love? Yes. Thank you for thank you for that. Okay. So we're up to fertilizers. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of lot of gardeners just automatically put fertilizer in the planting hole at planting time. But I think we need to stop and look at uh, at that at that technique that method um, because a lot of the times when we're planting it we're coming into like now coming into the cooler weather where the plant's going to start most plants start slowing down and won't be taking up that nutrient um, and again we come back to that I mean, a lot of gardeners on the Swan Coastal Plains sandy based if the plants don't utilize that nutrient it will leach you know, can leach through into our waterways. Okay. Um, so I think we need to be a bit more responsible there and, and, and pull back on that and add fertiliser when our plants are actively growing rather than putting it in the planting hole every time you plant. Lisa, aren't they the controlled release uh, temperature released? <clears throat> they, they are. They absolutely are. Um, but most of those last um, three to six months, so I, I, I still think even with the controlled release, gardeners can get more more benefit, more more use from them by applying them um, at the time of, of active growth. So yep, generally springtime. Yep. Mm. yep, no, good tip. Mm. And I often get asked, when is the best time to plant? Yeah. And, you know, we are lucky in person. We can plant uh, new gardens out all year round. However... Your preference? I have my favourite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, autumn is, I think, this is the very best time for planting right now when when we've still got gorgeous days like this. We've got uh, the ground is warm, so that's going to trigger plant growth and root establishment. Mm. Um, but we've got, you know, 
days of you know, occasional rainfall to settle the plants in. And we give them a nice long runway uh, if we plant now before the really hot weather strikes. So um, yes. autumn's my favourite, but we you know we can plant all year round. We've just got mm. different things to to manage. And it's certainly lovely going out there after a shower of rain at this time of oh. year and looking at your handiwork and mm. watching it all just settle in and you can stand back and watch it. It's so good, isn't it? And I think that's you've you touched on a, a really important tip as well. It's that being out in the garden, looking at the garden, observing the garden. And I think if we are out in our gardens frequently, checking on our plants and observing our handiwork, then we're more likely to spot any um, issues yes. uh, as they are emerging, like mm. dry spots or pest or disease issues if we're constantly observing and, and being out in our garden, uh, which is no hardship for us keen gardeners, is Absolutely. it? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it's been really lovely having you these past few weeks, Lisa, and the information that you have shared with us all. Uh, we're going to correlate it. John is, and we're going to create our own little podcast information. Is that how we're doing it? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and so listeners can go back in and then just listen to the information in a concentrated version. And, uh, yeah, I I think it will be very helpful. There's some great tips that uh, you've uh, imparted to us all. I've been very inspired, Lisa. Oh, lovely. (laughs) Yesterday I began planting out my Zeriscape garden. Oh, wow, Faye, that sounds amazing. <laughs> well, it's using common plants that I had been collecting, you know, the ones that I've bought over time that have blown yeah. over, that have got root bound. That's what's uh-huh. gone into it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a garden of survivors. Yes. And yeah. so, Lisa, is there anything else of that you needed to share with us? Oh, I guess the last thing to say is, is the real test of any new landscape is the is the aftercare, isn't it? It's the ongoing. Yes, uh, you can't just treatment. step away, can you? <laughs> no, oh, they're really. living, breathing creations. Mm. So it's not a case of plant and forget. Yes, yes. it is an ongoing an ongoing thing of trimming and making sure you've got consistent water uh, as they need it, and um, yeah, light trim and light feed when when they need it. So yeah. Very good. Well, I've had fun. It's been uh, one of my favourite topics. I love talking about gardens and garden design. Um, So thank you for the opportunity. And just again, if people would like to uh, become involved in some of the courses that you do, how do they contact you? They go Uh, through... Home base. So home base. We've got the garden design course starting next week yes. uh, on a Thursday night. Uh, runs from six o'clock to oh, no, sorry, five thirty to six o'clock to eight thirty. I think it is. But check mm-hmm. the times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, COVID brain or something. I'm forgetting. Yeah. Um, and that's a four-week course, and we cover um, all of this in a lot more detail and with great visual images as well. Um, and there are also fantastic courses at TAFE, and I'm um, involved in some of those. So um, the, the learning doesn't stop, and we're all Never. still learning as well, aren't we? Yes, and, um, and your website, Inspired by Nature. Yes, so I do um, do do a little bit of garden design on the on on weekends and yeah, yeah, it, yeah. when I can fit it in. Yeah, yeah, all right, and I, and I love that. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, ladies. Have a gorgeous weekend. You, you too. too. Thank you. Thank Cheers you. for that. Yes. Okay, it's nine o'clock. 
16.3 degrees right now. We're heading for a sunny maximum of 24. The minimum overnight will be 11. Tomorrow's maximum 25 and sunny. And for Monday, the minimum overnight will be 11 with a maximum of 24 and sunny. And our rain tally for April, and I don't think we're going to get any rain between now and tomorrow is 76.2 mils. So we've had a a cracker April compared to last year of 40.6 mils. So I think we had two downpours of rain that went for a couple of days each time during April. It certainly wasn't raining all of April, but we, we got there. We had enough to get by. All right, we're going straight back out to the lines. Rosalind, thank you so, so much for waiting. That's okay. Not a problem. Okay, well, I'd like to speak about rosette disease in uh, roses. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. It's uh, actually taken over our cul-de-sac. And I'd like to know, I know, I've Googled it, and I know that you have to destroy the roses and never plant roses in that bed again. But do I have to report it to the authorities? And when they say dispose of the roses, uh, if we put it in the green waste, it's just going to be recycled and uh, it's just going to continue. Okay. And, yeah. <laughs> um, very interesting, Roslyn. I think it was probably 12 to 18 months ago when mm-hmm. we started getting an influx of images sent by listeners wanting yeah. to know what was wrong with their roses. <laughs> and yeah. at the time, uh, we thought that with the first few images, they'd been hit with a herbicide. That's what it looked like, a mm. bit of overspray. Mm-hmm. And then as time went on, there was the thought that it could be the rosette disease mm, and yeah. the Ag Department, now called DPERT, uh, looked into it and they came back, well, with the help of Bob Melville, I'm pretty sure. Yes. They oh. worked out that a lot of people's roses were affected by thrips. In fact, a particular one called chilli thrips. Chilli thrips, okay. So have you not heard about the chilli thrips? No, never. Right. Okay. Well, perhaps, um, so you think you've got rosette disease and that was one of the the options that they thought they had. So rosette Mm. disease was ruled out by the Ag Department and chilli thrips is now widespread across Perth. There almost wouldn't be a week where we don't have a query about roses and we've had numerous discussions with um, different people about it mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. to do with it. So if you were to, to Google chili thrips or yes. if you were to go on any of the gardening Facebook groups and or Rose Society, you mm-hmm. will pull up numerous Many discussions mm-hmm. uh, and debates mm-hmm. about what to use and when to do it. So the chili thrips are affecting many, many roses across Perth It causes distortion of the leaves, blackening of new growth, um, small buds withering, dying. Uh, There's evidence of patterning on the leaves, which Mm -hmm. um, dies off. They, They just look terrible. And the roses don't perform. They don't thrive. They go backwards. And many people have lost roses. So is there a cure? Well, on the upside, uh, they like a dry environment. 
and oh, a warm can, environment. Yeah. So their turnaround yeah. cycle yeah. is very quick. Uh, so yeah. the fact that the weather is cooling, certainly the nights are, are much cooler, so it means yeah. their growth time during the day is less. They don't yeah. like moisture. So one of the things that I've been advocating is giving your your roses a spray at different times under and over the leaves. So it inhibits the area they like to grow. I, okay. I will leave it to you to um, do more research. Certainly back yeah. in our podcasts, there has been... Yeah, because, a, I mean, I, li I live in a, a cul-de-sac and we've got, you know, just about every house has yeah. beautiful roses and we were all going to have this mad... No. You know, everyone ripped their roses out. <coughs> no. If no. it is... Um, you know, rose disease. You can't plant roses. No, no. Anything. So oh, it's yeah, the yeah. good news is oh. it probably is not that, uh, but there is there is a lot of information. We've discussed this inside out numerous times. So perhaps mm. go go back and listen to the Chili Thrip podcast that John uh, compiled, and yes. that had a few different options. But the good news is, like autumn, it will slow down. I don't advocate giving your roses a hard cutback. The damage is done, but the roses still need what leaves they've got to keep their plants going. And, of course, it's only you know a couple of months and you'll be able to cut them back. So yes. hang in there. Yes. Okay. And don't overfeed them because chilli thrips go for new growth as well. So oh, do they? Yeah. <laughs> so if you can get onto the internet, Rosalind, have a good read, and you'll you'll be partly relieved that it's not what you well, think. Well, the whole neighbourhood will be because everybody yeah. was. You know, it, it does very, jump from yeah. garden to garden. Absolutely, same in my neighbourhood. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we actually bought a great great load of um, council compost, and we shared it out. We're thinking, you know, is it was it in the compost? I wouldn't really think so. No. Right. These yeah. little critters, you can't see them. They they move in clouds, and uh, yeah, they take out whole neighbourhoods. Don't worry about that. The cheek. The cheek, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, thanks very much for that. It's really yeah. easy, and well, I'll let my yeah. neighbours know. Oh, exactly. I think I'm pleased that you're happy to hear that you have chili thrips, yeah. <laughs> rather well, than well, the rosette to, virus. Well, rosette is just you know a death threat, isn't it? Yeah. Total death threat. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you very much, ladies. That right. relieved me. And yeah. thank you for holding so long. You you just oh, about right. take the record for being on hold for the longest time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, not a problem. Right. I really wanted this sorted. Yes. Yeah, well done. Okay. Thank you very much, ladies. Cheers. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, and now online we have Linda Strickland. Now, Linda is the owner of a open garden happening this weekend uh, on at 76 Via Vista Drive in Marijinia. Where are we? I've got you up here. Linda, good morning. Oh, good morning. How are you? Good. I bet you've got um, a flat out at the moment. It's a little hectic here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say something else and I thought I'm on live radio. Uh, yeah. So, yes, uh, tell us all about it. What what could we expect to see if we if we come along to your... Your beautiful well, garden. You're asking a biased person, aren't you? So uh, I, think, I think it's lovely. I'm looking around. I've got a lovely green paddock behind me. There'll be a, um, a decorative pony in it shortly. Oh, um, there's, gorgeous. Um, the roses, unfortunately, because we were supposed to open three weeks ago, um, were looking lovely then. And I cut a few back. But there's still some icebergs 
popping up. Seduction looks okay. A few roses. The wisteria is starting to lose its leaves, which is quite attractive. The dahlias are still flowering. The windflowers, the Japanese windflowers, are still flowering. Um, there's lots of natives. Some of the gravillas are looking good. The eucalypts always look good. The big, um, mul- huge mulberry tree, huge Chinese tallow tree. Mm. They look good. Yeah. This and it, nice you've look. got a large property, haven't you, Linda? Yeah, we've got five acres here, um, a, little, a couple of paddocks for the horses. Um, we've planted about an acre and a half of uh, banks down the back for the carnabies. And um, they were flowering beautifully two weeks ago. The carnabies <laughs> arrived and decided they would um, oh. have them all. But uh, never mind. They're all, they, that's what they're there for. So hmm. they, grew, they grew quite well for us. And you have uh, an art display there Yes, my niece is an artist, so she's got a few paintings up there for people to look at. So Lovely. Watercolours and oil things. Oh, I don't know much about painting, but yes. Hmm. Yes, they look lovely to me. And hmm. you've changed it a little bit and made it a garden for children to play and enjoy, Linda. Oh, yes, we've got grandchildren. So there's a there's a lovely cubby and a sand pit and some climbing things and a little tree house and all sorts of things for them to play. Yes. It's hmm. our joy. Oh, it sounds like a garden for everyone. Yeah, berries everywhere. My 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 vegetable patch is now predominantly flowers because my granddaughter likes to grow flowers. So oh. there's not that many veggies in there. The raspberries are still fruiting. So how long have you been preparing, uh, Linda, or is it just a, a labour of love every day anyway? Oh no, it's been my hobby for a few years, and I've roped yeah. my husband into doing the manual labour as we always do. Of course. And it's, uh, yeah, no, we we love it. It's our it's our sanctuary. Yeah, a little bit out of it, a little bit out of the way here. It's, Gorgeous. Uh, sort of the other side of Wanneroo. Or, mm-hmm. No, actually, it's a bit south of Wanneroo, but you've got to come around and onto Neves Road. Ah, yes, I don't, know Neves Road. Yeah, don't let Google Maps take you into the old pine plantations because uh, it tries. It thinks the roads in there are gazetted roads, and they're not. So you have to come off Neves Road. Off Neves but, Road. Okay, well, yeah. that's that's an easy one. Once if you... Kieran's put the signs up down there. Oh, so perfect. Yeah, okay, so that's happening from 10 a.m. this morning? Yeah, 10 to 4. Each Today, day? Tomorrow, yeah. We've got and, and cups of tea yeah. and coffee. And funds are supporting the Malaga Wildlife Rescue. Wonderful. Yes, yes. Yeah. yes that's, my, that's where we take our little baby owls when we rescue them, and so I'm supporting them. Wow, that sounds amazing. So your garden is very much wildlife friendly, Linda. What have you done to create habitat? Oh yes, well we've got well the carnabies are sort of here all the time. The bigger we've got nesting boxes up for the pink and greys in the twenty eights, and they use them regularly. And a boo book owl comes every year, oh. and um, we've put in lots of undergrowth, scrubby undergrowth for the little birds. Mm-hmm. So we've got lots of little birds now. The um, blue wrens, lots of blue wrens. Oh, how lovely! Um, Willy wagtails, the fantails, some little tiny little birds. I don't know what they are, but I'll mm. look them up. Sorry about the dog, Tuppence. Yes, that's okay. Is, he's put in his Tuppence <laughs> worth. What sort of dog is that? It's a little dachshund, miniature dachshund. Okay, he's got it. He makes a lot of uh, noise for a little guy, don't they always? Well, it'd be all systems go out there. I mean, this is not an ideal time for poor Linda to be talking on the radio. No. 10 o'clock, the gate's open, and I'm sure the Open Gardens team are out there setting yes. up and there's people yes. everywhere. Yes, things are happening, so it, it should be nice. There's lots of lovely lawn to sit on and everything looks pretty green. And, and you've been blessed with weather, magnificent know, weather. Yeah, we're very lucky. All the stars have a line for you. Absolutely gorgeous, yes. All right. 
We wish you well, and uh, we encourage listeners to get along this weekend. I'll give out the details uh, again once we let you go back to uh, your open gardens this weekend. Good luck. Thank you very much. Thanks, Linda. See you later this morning. Okay, bye-bye. Cheers, bye. And if you'd like to go to Rob and Linda's Open Garden, it's at 76 Via Vista Drive in Up, and it, you must access Neves Road to find Vis, Via Vista Drive. And there will be signage out there as well. So it's just sort of on the other side of Wanneroo, which these days with the freeway is not far. Mm, exactly. Yeah, and you're heading there. We're carpooling. I'm heading home to... Pick up some friends Pick up and the, out we go. Off you go. Wonderful. You've seen this garden before? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. It just, it sounds lovely. and It really does. It's acres and they've planted a lot of banksias. So I'm sounds keen like to see A slice of heaven, done. doesn't I always it? take inspiration from any garden I go to, Ray. So... I'll pick up something from there and go home and think, oh, I can do that. I can do that, yeah. And I think that's what we all we all do. Uh, and that's the beauty of uh, having open gardens or attending open gardens, isn't it? For sure. Yeah, and it's just a feast for the eyes. And it's good for the soul, huh? Okay, a caller, Mary, rang, read the Rose Disease discussions. She said not everyone has access to a computer to Google for information, and that is correct, yes. And can you suggest where else they can go to get information, read the Rose problems? Well, it's live on Curtain Radio. Yeah. Uh, we've discussed it a number of mm. times. And, of course, I've given out information about it this morning. Yeah. Um, the Rose Society a site, Rose Society would be a good And place. they meet monthly. Yeah. So that is always a fantastic source. Mm. Speaking mm. to the Rose Nurseries themselves, yes. um, if you did have a problem with... Oh, so Helen's from Albany. Um, is was that her? No, or, no, no, Mary. Mm. Being in touch with your local garden centres where there are qualified horticulturalists. So if you do have a problem, to get a positive identification because mm. that's quite important. I mean, we're only assuming that this is the problem. Yeah. Um, taking a specimen, but taking it in a sealed bag mm. to a garden centre where there is a qualified horticulturalist. Uh, I know Dawson's are way way on top of it, so yeah, they're uh, located around the metropolitan area. And Melville area. Rose Nursery is another. You could actually contact Melville Rose Nursery, absolutely. They would be happy to speak to you. And there's been a lot of articles in the newspaper about it as well. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's been very, very topical. So, yeah, I understand many are not accessing the well, internet. Well, it, it was mm. interesting that... You know, because we've known about it for a long time. We've talked yeah. in depth about it on many occasions mm. and we've spread what information we have through the mm. podcast mm. and and on Facebook mm. and through Gardening clubs the is another one too. If you get along to certain garden, any gardening club, you know, you're going to access a wealth of information. So yeah. there are avenues out there. But and I would... the Horticultural Council have a list of associated garden clubs mm. of all different types that mm. meet on a regular basis. So, mm. you know, if you're interested in a, a specialist type of plant, whether it's begonias or African violets, mm. if you're looking for something more general like the cottage garden circle that meets on a Monday night or the Perth Garden Club mm. or a fern society that meet uh, on a Sunday a afternoon. Month. There yeah. is something for everyone. And getting to talk to 
local gardeners mm. who who are on top of this thing all the time because I know it's a problem for many homeowners who has not got a rose in their garden. Yeah. There's mm. not too many people not affected at present. Correct. Okay, short break. When we return, we're chatting with Helen and Rosemary. Radio. 24 minutes after nine, you are listening to Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye. Coming up for 10am, George Minoldi with a classic 60. Straight out to the lines. Who was first off? Helen, how are you? Hello, Helen. All the way from Albany. Yes. Yes, it's a lovely morning here, if you like cloud. Oh, I love Albany. Yeah, beautiful. How can we help? I was wanting to get a couple of dwarf fruit trees, and I have a terracotta pot, but I don't know whether it would be big enough. It's about 43 centimetres high and 48 centimetres across the top. That would, would be that would probably be big enough initially. Uh if you consider what size pot you're buying it in, well, what plant are you buying? We were looking at getting a dwarf mandarin and apple. Okay. Yes. Initially, that would be okay, Helen, because I imagine you'll buy them in the, um, the re- oh, don't even know what size pot they are, probably about 25 centimetre pot across. Yep. Yep. Or plastic bag they sometimes come in. So that would be plenty of uh, space for it to grow in, a bag of good quality premium potting mix and mulch the pot as well. Okay, yep. And would I need to put some like manure in in with the potting mix or not? Not really, no. Premium potting mixes are designed for you not to have to add anything to it and they're good to go straight. Um, Yep. If anything, I would add a little bit extra slow-release fertiliser and I would put that in underneath the... I'd put it in the bottom of the pot, not right at the bottom. Put potting mix in, put some slow-release fertiliser and put your new plant on top of that. Okay, yep, sounds good. Mm, Easy, enjoy. And then when they get a bit bigger, would you put it in a bigger pot then? Yes, so something like a half a wine barrel? That, that would sort of Yes, that would be perfect. And and that might be a year or two, depending on how fast it grows. Okay, yep, that's all right. All right. That would be good. Thank Enjoy. you very much. Good on you, Helen. Cheers for that. Bye. Bye. And we're in Warwick. We're saying hello to Rosemary. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. Just a very, very quick query. Um, I'm planting in an above-ground um, um potting thingy. Veggie <laughs> garden, raised beds. Yes. yes, thank you. Yes. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, now, I've got some uh, broccoli Chinese guy land. I don't know if that's the correct yes. um, pronunciation. I know how far apart and, all, and how deep you, you put the seed, but what I need to know is how uh, much soil I need for the roots to actually be free and, and moving. Sort of like, is it 10 centimetres, 20 well, centimetres? Well, Probably 30 centimetres would be good. Oh, good. It, okay. it wouldn't generally be more than that. So, yeah. yeah, that gives you a good buffer. Okay, then. All right. And then just a, uh, another thing, not a query, but um, my, I've had about 30 roses and they've all been infected by this horrible thrip. Yeah. 
and I've got to the point where I've pulled out probably half and I'm, I'm sort of debating whether I should try just doing other things mm. with the, the you know but it's I think it's just a hopeless case with the poor old things and they're beautiful yeah. well rosemary beautiful double blooms yes it it's certainly worse this year than it was 12 months ago uh roses yeah. that I've yeah. been monitoring in the neighborhood this yeah. is the worst they've ever looked um yeah. On the way in this morning, you know, we've been talking about garden design with Lisa for the last four weeks. And yeah. I, just, I just started thinking, well, maybe maybe it is time to rethink. Um, mm. A few years ago, we were hit with the potato tomato psyllid and we barely yeah. hear anything of that now. So yeah. it yeah. may we have just a don't cycle. Know. No, we, we don't. don't we don't have a crystal ball. Mm. I guess everybody needs to work out what they want from their garden. You know, are your yeah. roses for picking? Do you pick them and bring them inside? Um, is there something that you could use as an alternative? If you've taken out yeah. half of them, could you yeah. buffer that garden bed with other flowering plants that also yeah. act as companion plants and help uh, bring in beneficial insects to help target the pests? Yeah, yeah just I've got yeah, I've got mainly now because I've got a, a fairly large front frontage and also a decent size back. Um, so what I've done now is, is I've got um, more native um, and I've just put in another 15 uh, uh, sort of like a ground covered native which I've got all the little flowers and because will, will, I, I insist on having my garden as a flower garden for the bees and the birds. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, I yeah. I, th I think, you know, work out what's giving you joy. Um, yeah. Nothing in our garden should be a burden. Yeah, uh, well, that's, I'm 71, nearly 72, and and you, if you've got to constantly go out and do things with, with your roses and, and you're not getting what they used to be, you think, mm. well, are they just going to be more of a burden as, as things go on? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's time to rethink some gardens. Mm, yep. um, you know, maybe it's just for the time being. But, yeah, looking forward, the other thing that's happening, you know, we had a really um, long, dry summer. Yeah. And and with the most extreme temperatures. So yeah. we, mm. we do need to consider our water. Mm. We need yeah. to consider the heat. Uh, what we want from our gardens, if we're spending more time at home. Um, yeah, what is it that brings us joy and yeah. and how can we tread more lightly on our patch? Yeah, yeah. and I'm very, very water-wise, especially as the price of the water just keeps going up mm. and up and up. Mm. Um, so I'm very, very aware of that. So I, when I look for plants, I look for uh, drought resistance or yeah. what they give back to the to the area. Yeah, good on you, Rosemary. Yeah, That's a really nice approach. Well done. Thank you very much. It's <laughs> absolutely fun listening to you two ladies. Oh, thank, thank you, you, Rosemary. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah. All right. Have a lovely weekend. You too. You too. Happy gardening. Cheers. Bye-bye. And let's go to Alfred Cove. We're talking about a lawn. Dolly, hello. Hi. Um, yes, I've got a buffalo, so water. Yes, my favourite. Yes, and it's we live in a rear on a rear block, so the lawn is is not very big, 
but it was like a carpet. It's been beautiful. It's quite sheltered. You see, it's not getting weeds from everywhere and everything. Mm. But it's suddenly dying off, like, just for no reason. Okay, and I saw Dolly. little lumps of what I thought. I've never seen a, an earthworm, but uh, lumps of what I thought, oh, it must be earthworms there along the lawn, all over the place. But then after that, it started sort of dying. And my son-in-law thought, maybe you need some wetter soil because it's not getting water. But he, then he felt the thing. He said, no, it has got water. And someone suggested I might even have a mole cricket behaving badly. It, it could be mole crickets. And yeah. um, it, could all, it could be earthworms as well because we have a zoo beneath our feet in our lawns. Yeah. But... Mm-hmm. What is happening at the moment across Perth, if you were to go out at night time, you may find dozens of moths flying above your lawn. And Mm -hmm. there is an army worm, caterpillar, that hatches from these moths and many of them. So what what you can do, Dolly, is get out there with a bucket of warm, soapy water and pour it on the garden and watch for caterpillars to come up out of the lawn. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that you can do is put a wet towel on the lawn at night, mm-hmm. do the same sort of thing, and in the morning check underneath and see if mm-hmm. you've got caterpillars there. You do that yeah. as a trap so then the birds can eat them. So that's one form of dealing with it. But army worm is very prevalent at the moment. And so is the sod web the worm. The sod web worm And as there are well. fungal issues out there as well because mm. of... The, the weather that we yeah. have endured. So, so checking when for... When we lived in Winthrop a few years ago, we had an army worm, or cutworm or something they called it. It literally, overnight, you see a lawn just dying. But that's right. But truly as though an army had gone, you know. That's right. And we were told to do that soapy thing and all, which, and whatever it was, I can't remember. We got rid of it. This is sort of different. It's more like, I won't say patches, but yeah. it's not like that marching sort of thing where you see half yeah. the lawn disappear. You know, virtually in a straight line. This is a bit different. And I was wondering if I could send you uh, yes. um, some photos. That would be great. The, see, the um, other thing is when birds go in and when they're digging up the caterpillars, they're also leaving little piles of dirt. Right. But a, a photo would help. Looking for any signs yes. of evidence to narrow down yes. the problem. Yes. Lovely. Uh, what's your email address, please? It's gardening. Yes. At curtainfm. Yes. Dot com dot au. Lovely. Okay. I'll send you an email. Thank you so Perfect. much. Thank I you, love Dolly. Uh-huh. Thank, Thank you, Dolly. You. Cheers, love. Next my Saturday morning. <laughs> oh, we like to hear that. Yes. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. And we've got lots of emails to catch up on and catch our breath. We doing a lot of talking this do. morning, as we do. <laughs> now, Gay has sent us in a photo. She thinks she's losing her cyclamens, and, and she thinks it's mites. She's been spraying with eco neem oil, but that doesn't seem to be helping. She says she's already lost three plants, so she's a bit sad. Um taken them out of the the pot they came in a while ago so their feet aren't wet now these well they do look sad but cyclamens tend to go dormant in summertime yeah so i what i would be doing right now i'd put them outside i'd stop watering them 
and I would let the plants die down. Then I would uh, remove all the soil, put them into fresh potting mix and just leave them out in the garden where they can get rain, perhaps in about a month or so. And there's a very good chance that they will just reshoot because mm. they are a, a corm that dies back. Yes. So don't, yeah, I wouldn't be worrying too much about about them going backwards at this point. Uh, now, here's one from Peter. Greetings, Faye and Ray. Before I start, this is a par excellent presented and informative radio program to listen to. Well done, both of you. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. That's Very lovely. Nice. Now, killing cooch grass from my house is a long-time ambition of mine and the first step in redesigning the place I live in. We, uh, we should live in the environment and not try to foster plants that are not native to prevailing conditions. Wasting scheme, scheme water, and we can't afford to do so, is my opinion. And don't want to waste a precious resource. Enough of this. I need a way of removing cooch, which is both persistent and invasive, without digging it or using a herbicide that is detrimental to replanting native species. The area that I'm looking is about 80 square metres, which I haven't watered for about four to five years. Yet the cooch returns with just a sprinkle of rain. Ten out of ten per for persistence yeah, or what? Absolutely. Any ideas will be more than welcome. Thank you both. So, as we know, fuselard is probably the top of the list for killing off cooch grass. Yeah. It will not affect other plants. So you could use it potentially in a native garden or a rose garden. Now, you can't get it from your local hardware stores. It is very expensive, but it is available from like your local ag suppliers or yeah. farm shops yeah, or specialist places like that. lawn mm. suppliers. There is a cheaper version. Uh, I believe it's got the same active constituent, but I'm not 100% sure. It's called Fluazifop. Say that again. Oh, Ray. <laughs> Fluazifop. Fluazifop. Okay. So there are two products out there that mm. will target cooch lawn without damaging the rest the of the garden so yeah, they use important. it in bushland to target veldt grass yeah native bushland and yeah. it it is very effective if it's done at the right time so yeah. the lawn needs to be actively growing mm -hmm. okay yeah. and i've noticed lawns slowing down as you would expect i know but as mm. peter says you know i've got an area that i mow around where we have a bonfire pile mm. And probably my mower has taken lawn out there or mm. I've dumped lawn on the bonfire yeah. pile and it's going for gold. The, mm. the minute I burn and I've got all that carbon, the Loves lawn it. goes nuts and it's growing now. I put on gum steroids. leaves on top of it, mm. I mow over the top of that and <laughs> and the cooch is growing. And then I've got this cultivated lawn area that I have all these problems with. Yeah. It's nuts. It is nuts. It is nuts. <laughs> Just as well we've got a sense of humour. Mm. Gardening you tests one. you, doesn't it? It oh, tests it sure you. does. It's yeah. a challenge. And now jobs to do in the garden. <laughs> a mm. couple of off-the-planet ones for this week. Uh, if you've got a strelitzia, the good old bird of paradise in mm. your garden and mm. you've ignored it for 10 years, yeah. well, it might be time to get in there, get on your hands and knees with the secateurs and cut out all those dead stems. Yeah. I 
embarked on that mission yesterday. Mm. And the little garden area that you planted out 10 or 15 years ago and you put all those pretty rocks around it, you know, the ones, the area that you don't look at anymore, mm. well, those rocks are still there. Mm. So once again, get down on your hands and knees and excavate, go on an archaeological dig. Fifteen yeah. years ago, I, I did that, and I'm so glad I put down shade cloth first, Ray, mm. because over the years, leaf litter from the bottle brush, sand, yeah. you know, anything I've blow evacked off the patio yeah. has landed on this, and I, I had buried, like, probably 30 kilos of rocks. Oh, heavens. Exactly. Mm. So we've been digging them up this to week, removing the shade them, cloth. Them. And mm. that's what I don't like about these, the pretty pictures where they've got these beautiful rocks. Mm. Well, if you're going to have an area contaminated by any sort of leaf litter yeah. or dirt blowing The reality is different. It, yeah. it certainly is. Mm. So you've got to keep that in mind when you're designing your garden. For sure. Okay. We'll be back in a moment. Curtain Radio. You're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. We do use our little breaks there to catch up with everything that's going on behind the scenes. Yes. <laughs> I've, I'm not going to get through all these emails today, no. Ray, but I will do my best. Uh, so I wish to thank the Curtin FM Garden Show and Tree Rings. I recently won oh, Tree yes. Rings through the Garden Show. Jess from Tree Rings contacted me and they were kind enough to bring my prize to the Mundaring Garden and Farmers Market for me to collect. This was greatly appreciated. Jess is very friendly and they even kindly carried my prize to the car. So thank you again from Margaret. Yeah, the so. Tree Ring family are beautiful people. Mm. Yeah. And they will be back at the Kalamunda Garden Festival, which I think is the 22nd of May. And... Guess who's coming, Ray? Uh, Mr. Costa. He is. Yes, he's yeah. going to be so walking Andrew's around. over the moon about... I'm sure he'll have an entourage of people just oh, enveloping him I'm wherever sure. he goes. Poor man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, where do I start? This just... All right. Hi, Ray and Faye. Love your show. Thank you for the wonderful information. I have two suggestions for some issues expressed today. Well, that was from last week. The pansies being eaten right down, I would suggest it's grasshoppers. I found them eating a lot of my plants. They were big granddaddy ones, both green mm. and brown coloured mm. ones. I'm looking for a reason for why my leaves were being eaten away and mm. carefully lifting leaves and inspecting the plants. I found a lot of little baby yeah. grasshoppers. So name <coughs> is... Is good for that, and also uh, the beta bug, which deters them. Okay, and mm. also I've read that uh, Charlie Carp, um, they don't like the taste of that on the leaves either as a deterrent, because we are looking, it's a very hard one to deter. Yeah. Grasshoppers is a big problem. I have a big grasshopper issue in my garden, and I was watching the rat bags, and they I've watched them grow up. They start off as little, and then I see them. I think, you've been here a while, because he's got mm. little stripy brown legs, and I've had a lot of them, and they're the size of my fingernail. Now this, they're, they're the size of a finger, almost. You know, they're growing in my garden, all because they're, they're feeding, they're, you know, they're having a fabulous smorgasbord. Well, yeah. some of them are the size of birds, because when you're doing I a bit of them. ham watering, off 
you see these wings flying off oh, and you think, gosh, what I was know, that? I had one and they were on my roses the other day and I made my other half kill it. It was terrible, terrible situation. Mm. I just, it turns my stomach. But what can I, what can you do? Eco-name. Eco-name. Mm. Well, yeah, but sometimes if you see one live, okay. I know, it's horrible, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Butcher so. birds are good at... Well, I wish they'd come to my house. Have yeah. you got a bird bath out the back? I have, uh, yes, front and back. Mm. Yeah, Good. front and back. And I do have birds. I have kookaburras come in and uh, all sorts of things. But uh, these guys prevail. Mm. Yeah, so, but yeah, Econeem is registered as a grasshopper deterrent. There you go. Yeah. Okay. We've got some calls, Ray. We better get on to them. All right, we're in Mundaring. Margaret, Hi. Oh, good morning, girls. Interesting conversation while I was on hold. Yes, we're a bit like that, Margaret. Yeah. <laughs> There's always something to always help out. Um, Cooch, I would just like to say that the only time living here that I have used Roundup is on Cooch grass. And I made a tube, used a about one or two litre, oh no, one litre, those, those one point whatever litre, soda water plastic bottles um, <clears throat> cut off the top and the bottom so that I had a tube and I just put the, hold the tube over the part of the plant that I'm going to spray and just only squirt once and it the tube protects all the other plants in the garden so there's no drift because <clears throat> I think we, I've heard on your show that there can be a drift of 100 metres metres because yeah. um, I mean even though you think you've got a, a very calm day but yeah. there's still air moving yeah that's right and uh, so I find this tube it's the only time I use around up is if I find cooch because yeah. I was told that it actually grows down to, can be found a metre underground mm. I think this is why it's so hard to right. kill isn't yeah, it correct Yeah. the only other thing that I did many years ago was I had an odd job man who put some black plastic down around my roses Yes. the cooch had got in Yeah. And um, but the black plastic was left there all, all the over the entire summer, but left a hole around the roses so that I could water them, and they got a bit of sun on the soil. The um, and Peter Cundall talked about calendulas growing. You grow row of calendulas on um, what's the common name of that one? Um, a row around the edge of your garden because apparently the root of the calendula. I'm just wondering if I've got the right name. Oh, I'm I'm writing my shopping list now. <laughs> Is it calendula? There's a common. Hasn't it got a common name? Forgotten. Are you think, thinking marigold? No. Yes, possibly. Marigold. Yes, yeah. the, the orange, but common orange and yellow coloured yeah, marigold. And. Mm -hmm. Peter Cundall said, grow row of them round the edge of your garden, <clears throat> like mm. a lot of people plant alisum. Yes. And the, the marigold roots emit some sort of chemical that is also a deterrent for the cooch, which I did find worked. And oh. they keep the nematodes away too. 
Oh, do they? Mm, plants in the marigold family. Yeah, but um, anyway, I just wanted to mention about the tube. <coughs> yeah, no, thank That's you. That's a good spot spraying the, option. The, the um, cheaper version of Fusillard Fay, could you please just spell the name? Flu Azipop, F L U A Z I I F O P. John's oh, F for Fred, right? Fop. Yes. Oh, good. Thank so you. So John's that. getting some more information about that because what he did tell us in the break is that Fluazifop is twice the strength of Fusillard, and I, I and believe mm. it was cheaper. So yeah, oh, so oh. we're looking further into that for everyone. Oh, lovely. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for Margaret. the call, Margaret. Cheers. Bye. Bye. And we're talking about a crepe myrtle, which, of course, is one of my favourite trees. Alan, good morning. Uh, yes. Uh, good morning, ladies. Uh, morning. And, yeah, thanks for taking the call. Um, we've had this uh, little crepe myrtle come up in our shade house, and um, it's about a metre away from our neighbour's fence where there is a big one, so I don't know if, if it's a sucker or a seedling. Anyway, uh, we can't leave it... You know, in the in the shade house for obvious reasons, and um, so um, I was wondering when the best time would be to to actually transplant it, please. When it loses all of its leaves is probably the best time, Alan, um, because they're a deciduous tree. But if it's in your shade house, is it a warmer environment? Is it like a hot house? Uh, well, no. Um, we grow the orchids um, or a few other. Um, Things in there as well, so we, yeah, we've just got about seventy uh, percent uh, shade cloth over there. Okay, so it'll, it's it'll still get those temperature extremes, so it probably still will lose its leaves in winter. That's when I would do it. Yeah, it's losing its uh, leaves right now. Yeah, of course. But, um, yeah, okay then. Yeah, I wasn't too sure about that. Um, okay, great. Um, can I just quickly ask? Um, one more. Um, yes, go ahead. Uh, yeah, just the um, market gardeners. Um, I don't know if it's a trade secret, but what sort of fertiliser do they use? Because they must use uh, you know, heaps of it. Exactly. Um, but, Alan, they would have access to fertilisers that we don't, mm. and it will depend on their crop. So I suspect they'll use a range of different products. Uh, the more sustainable sophisticated ones probably have fertigation systems so they will be using a blend suitable to the crop and the timing so that would be a whole whole different ball game than what we as home gardeners have access to okay then yeah thanks for your call sorry thank you for your call oh oh, yeah (laughs) yeah thank you okay good on you alan bye for now yeah bye bye okay Back shortly. Radio. And we have approximately six minutes of Let's Talk Gardening remaining. Take one or two calls if you would like to speak to us. Otherwise, we're ploughed down, Faye is, with lots of uh, email. <laughs> yes, for sure. Now, John's just come in with some product information on Fluazifop. Uh, one site here says it's equivalent to Fusillard, available for ninety five ninety five, another one is labelled as Surefire Cannonade, uh, one liter seventy nine ninety five, and another one brand for farmers Fluazifop, and 
I can't see a price on that. But these are available online, iPads, horse-type stores. So they're sort of targeted for for farming properties. Yeah. Um, You won't get them at your local hardware store. No. Right. Carrying on, Ray, this photo has come in from Wendy and she has a plant in her garden that she'd like us to identify. She thinks it came in with the soil. Wendy, it looks to me like a plant that is called verbascum and it it gets a lovely rose out on the ground, uh, can get quite big and it will send up a flower spike with multiple little flowers. I've also had it self-sow in my garden, mm. not sure where it came from. Uh, it, it's quite pretty. It's a cottage-style garden plant. Mm. It can potentially seed and, and become a bit weedy, so just... Keep an eye on it. This one came in last week, uh, grafted finger lime, and it's from Alan. He was gifted a grafted finger lime last year for Father's Day, and he repotted it into citrus soil, which sounds good. The end of the branches seem to be withering, and he can't see any new growth. It gets morning and afternoon sun, gets watered daily. Well, Alan, I think you're probably giving it too much love or certainly too much water especially as these are slowing down. It does look hungry. It's sort of quite yellow. But I would also check the base of the trunk and and just dig down a little bit. It looks like it could rot, have rotted at the base, therefore mm. the roots aren't doing too well. And the roots also could be at the level of the surface so they're exposed, which it wouldn't be happy with. So just have a look what the soil's like uh, and cut back on the water. On that one, yeah. Okay, and it, in your little goodies there, <coughs> you brought in an example of yes. the citrus gall wasp. wasp. I acquired a plant this week, got it home and then oh, went. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, dear. And uh, the swellings on the stem, I, I had to cut out half of the foliage. I just cut back past every swelling. If you haven't looked at your citrus plants, they're Do starting it. to ripen now. The mm. lemons, the mandarins, the oranges, etc. Go out and when you're picking your fruit, look for swellings on the stem. Where they're really old, it looks like peanuts. You know how they they get a a brown, papery shell? Mm -hmm. This is what it will look like when it's swollen. If there's lots of holes there, they have emerged Mm -hmm. from another season. Mm -hmm. But the newer ones will be swelling now. So cut it out. There is no cure for this pest. Cut it out. Bag it if you can mm. or put it through a mulcher. Solarising mm. it is possibly the easiest. It's been but happening you must for, cut a, it out. Yeah, for a few months. It's been mm. showing itself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bill from Mundaring, he's got a caterpillar looking maggot in his tomatoes. Can you help? It's a wrinkled like caterpillar. <laughs> uh, some of the tomato caterpillars get in when the fruit is developing mm. or before the fruit starts to develop. So uh, Dipel will help if the the caterpillar is eating the leaf uh, or flowers if it's small. Uh, netting your fruits, but that causes an issue for pollination, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, you can't use a systemic because it's edible. Mm. Um, it's a really hard way. It could be the egg fruit caterpillar. Uh, that targets Solanum species, Finally. so eggplants, tomatoes, etc. 
I'm sorry, I can't get through the, all the emails. No. But for Helen, who sent in photos of a beautiful daisy, it looks like an osteospermum. She wants to know how to prune them and when. Now, as they've, they've just had their second flush, it doesn't look like there's a lot of buds. I would give them a light trim now and cut them back like from spilling over onto the pathway. And I think this could be a good topic going forward. New best performing daisies for seasonal interest because there are new ones on the market mm. and I'd like to find out what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, it sounds good. And I think too we talked off air about doing a segment on when you buy your plant and you get it home, then what? When you bring your babies home. Yeah, because then the fun starts. Because we find all sorts of things. Mm. Uh, we see evidence when we bring them home, the plant is too wet, the mix that it's in, yeah. you tip it out of its pot, you have a look at the roots. Yeah. I, I have to stop there, Ray. Eh? We're just out of time. But I know. Well, let's, yes, let's, to be let's cover that soon. All right. Big thanks to Cheryl Kennedy today filling in for Bev Glidden. Thank you. And John Glidden and, of course, our very own Faye Akaro. And I've got a couple of gardenisms. I'll just pick one because we're running out of time. Notice that autumn is more the season of the soul than of nature. George Minoldi is up next with the classic 60s. It's been a great morning. Take care, everyone. Look after yourselves and happy gardening. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.